When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, hey, it's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star wherever you get your programming. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bull Brock. PHNX headquarters in downtown Phoenix. Not a lot going on pertaining to our precious Redbirds, Bull Brock, but they did, in fact, wrap rookie minicamp on Sunday. This is a Monday, and I thought, you know, it would be a good time as we saw the most of the Arizona Cardinal rookies on display over the last couple days. You had an opportunity to be out in Tempe. Which rookie Cardinal, I hope there's several, but which rookie Cardinal do we feel like we can have stamp of approval making the most significant impact that at the tail end of 2023, Bo Brock can say that rookie <laughs> stood out among all others, which, you know, we'll dive right into it. You want me to just get right into it. Just I, give me I my do. name. Don't yeah. wait the audience to join us. Just just give me that name and then move on, right? And now, you can you can, you can the party. They're going to have to rewind and find out on there. Put own. some no, icing gonna... on it because you were on you were on, at the facility. Yeah. And I and you got to see everybody up close. And you and I were in a text thread. And and you were pretty adamant. Paris Johnson Jr. looks the part. It absolutely does. But you know what? That's not my answer. I mean, as much as I, I like Paris Johnson Jr., I think that there can be an offensive line group that could exist and, you know, perform relatively well without having to really rely on a guy like Paris Johnson Jr. That's kind of yeah. what I based my decision off of because I think the next round is where you're going to find the biggest potential impact maker from this Arizona Cardinals draft class. I think it's B.J. Ujolari. I think mm. B.J. Ujolari, where you look at this pass rush group last year, it was non-existent. I mean, obviously, the interior defensive line, that's where you had the most, uh, you know, noisemakers, most disruption was Zach Allen, J.J. Watt. I think that B.J. Ujolari will have the opportunity and pass rush opportunities enough to make an impact. And the lack of of, of, a, of kind of a nightmare that, the Arizona Cardinals defense presented for opposing offenses. BJ Ujolari can be part of the solution right away. Uh, a guy that was only second to Will Anderson Jr. in pressures since 2020. I think that if he can, if his game translates from LSU, the SEC, to the NFC West for the Arizona Cardinals, he can make an immediate impact, even more so than than Paris Johnson on the offensive line. Because I don't think if Paris Johnson, if you said, hey, he's going to be day one left tackle, right tackle, and he's he's protecting the edges there, sure. But as far as him being in a guard and in, in a more like, I guess, easier transition spot from him to the college level to the pro level, I, it's it's just not going to make as big as an impact, in my opinion. 
I, I agree with you um, for a couple different reasons. Let's talk about maybe some guys that we can eliminate fair or unfair to them. I think Garrett Wilson, presumably not going to be healthy for the majority of training Garrett camp. Williams. Yeah. Garrett Williams, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not coming back until August, September is kind of what he told you and the rest of the media, Bo, that, you know, the young man out of Syracuse who tore up his knee last October. Mm-hmm. I mean, similar to Kyler Murray, and they're going to use kid gloves with him and bring him back. So I, I think to expect a lot out of a third round corner to begin with is, is asking a lot, but then coming off a major injury. I don't, I don't think that's realistic. Is that fair or not? I think that's fair, but I think once you get your first glimpse of him, once we see him on the playing field, somebody that's going to impress, obviously the, the the coaching staff really likes what he brings to the the playing field. Nick Rollins said that he plays with a high motor plays with violence a couple of things that they outline and, and just kind of details that they like from their players. And you look at the opportunity in, in the cornerback room, it's going to be there. I mean, I think you've got Marco Wilson, who's going into his third year, probably somebody that's got a starting position. And then you look at Antonio Hamilton, who's going to be 30 years old. Uh, it's, it's not an old, it's not that that's relatively old for that position, right? Even though he doesn't have a whole lot of mileage on his legs, uh, Antonio Hamilton there, Rashad Fenton. So like, could, could Williams come in and see some playing time right away? It's, it, it's, it's there, right? The opportunity's there. Like he could be a starter for this team by the end of the year. But to your point, like what's the real reality of him starting this season as a CB two, probably pretty slim. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you go down, Michael Wilson would be next in line. And again, you know, let's talk about, what would have to fall for that to happen? Hopkins would need to be traded. Rondell Moore, I would imagine, is is in the training room, right? And then you you just thrust <laughs> him out there. And a lot, I think, would have to go right with Michael Wilson, who yeah. has had injury concerns of his own. And then I'm just going to set aside day three picks because I think, you know, fair or not, like if the, if a day three pick is the most productive for the Arizona Cardinals, then something's gone horrifically wrong. And I'm with you. I think it's or, or really well. I mean, if, for day three, something we, we are not used to seeing. Right. Here. We're not. I, I get your point. I would say this. I, I saw NFL.com actually put up an article and included Keytrail Clark uh, as one of the day three picks that he's, he's predicting to make an impact an oh. undersized corner playing maybe in the slot taking some of those snaps that we saw Isaiah Simmons have to play at a necessity last year for this defense, maybe put Isaiah in a more comfortable spot, not having to match up against wide receivers uh, and, and play more of a linebacker, maybe safety position. But if, if a guy like Keytrell who missed rookie mini camp to graduate from Louisville, uh, kind of a ball hawking corner, but as I said, undersized, maybe misses out on some opportunities to, to pull down some interceptions because of the lack of size, but can he play slot? Can he be like, uh, you know, la- last year's version, like Jack Jones, who played at ASU and then then played really well for Bill Belichick and the Patriots early on? I think that that's that's a people really like Keytrail Clark. He's, he's physical. He play as far as competitive. He's really competitive. Uh, he's he's he started the Shrine Bowl in Vegas this past off season. So I think that it's not like really far fetched to say that, Hey, he could play some significant snaps down the stretch. Yeah. I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I I just, it feels like with this team, the amount of capital that they spent on the first two rounds and really where they were picking on, on day three, because they had some ladder picks. And I mean, you know, Clayton tune setting the world on fire with notwithstanding Jonathan Gaines, a a guard that's, that's difficult to project. I mean, yeah, I do think it's B.J. Ogilari, back to your original point, for for a couple different reasons. I think 
he has the most clarity maybe of anybody on this roster immediately, whereas Paris Johnson Jr. is a long-term tackle. He might be asked to play guard out of the game, and he'll do that. And I think he'll do that at a reasonably high level. Whereas B.J. Ojolari is, is the Hassan Reddick of this defense for Jonathan Gannon. He hasn't come out yeah. and said that, but every projection, every metric you see is they're going to stand him up. They're going to put his f- hand in the ground. They're going to move him all over the place. He's got almost an identical traits. He played higher level of college football, and he's got similar explosiveness. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, I, they were very similar prospects. Reddick just did a tick more because he went to the senior bowl and dominated. So he was one of the yeah. fastest risers in that draft. So, I, I do think it's B.J. Ojolari. I think we could be looking up at the end of the year. It's going to be tough because Cardinals, how many leads are they going to play with throughout the year? And is B.J. Ojolari going to get an opportunity to, to pin his ears back? We'll see. Yeah. But, like, it would not surprise me if he had eight-plus sacks at the end of the year, and that's 100% a win. Sh- shit, man, I, I think Cameron Thomas and Maje Sanders probably would have snipped six, seven sacks last year yeah. had they been given the opportunity alongside Watt and Zach Allen. So, and uh, and you look at at Philly the just the the blueprint and that that was you know very fruitful seventy sacks last year it's yeah. kind of a rotation right you had you knew who your your guys were that were going to be in there pretty much three downs right for sure yeah. you mentioned it Reddick uh, you you got more of the uh, defensive lineman guys like the big Hargrove and and Fletcher Cox but then you had a rotation of guys and in to like as far as Ujolari it's the two guys you mentioned from the third round last year. They should be in the conversation, but like, yeah. this is not going to be the old staff of Vance Joseph where guys like Dennis Gardeck or Victor Dumakeji are going to be uh, keeping a guy like BJ Ujolari from the field. And that's yeah. got, that's got to be refreshing as an Arizona Cardinals fan. Yeah. And then again, this is not us kind of, you know, downtriding our opinion on Paris Johnson jr. It's just very difficult to come in and be a great rookie tackle guard, whatever. I mean, right. I can't remember like Panay Sewell, was supposed to be a generational tackle, and he might very well end up being that for Detroit. But he was he was pretty average that first year. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, they they should have traded up. They should have gotten Jamar Chase. Remember, it was the Chase versus Panay Sewell conversation. Right. You know, the kid out of the Giants that just got his fifth-year option picked up was the first tackle the year Isaiah Simmons got drafted out of Georgia. Right. A lot of people thought that was a horrendous decision, and then now it's kind of turned around. I mean, the only... Was worse the guy? I mean, that and that was that was yeah, that was the comparison I was just about to make. Is the only tackle (laughs) I can remember being plug and play great from day one was Tristan Wirfs, but they had uh, a stability with the rest of their offensive line. They had Tom Brady. They had Bruce Arians. I mean, they they had a you know Tristan, don't save us, just be great at one singular position. And I and I hope is. My hope is that they take the same approach with Paris. It's just like, Paris, just do your job. Don't worry about being yeah. Paris Johnson Jr., six overall pick to save this offensive line. And I, I do think, Rafa, in the chat, Panay Sewell is going to be great. But yeah. Panay Sewell's hype that year was 10 times fold what Paris Johnson Jr. had. And he was he was fine his first year. And I think being fine as a tackle guard in year one for the Arizona Cardinals, if that's what Paris Johnson Jr. is, is a good thing. I think yeah. – I think if you start every game, you gain experience, you're trending up. Like, of course, we want to see the PFF grades over the course of October, November, December start to move up a little higher so then we can project into year two. But I, I think based on like pure athleticism, outside of Paris Johnson Jr. being generational, like the 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 opportunities that I think, to your point, B.J. Ojolari is going to have rushing the passer for Jonathan Gannon are going to be immense. 
And I think it could lead to some inflated numbers. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible opportunity for a guy. Let's play. Let's catch up on the, on the chat here. Nightingale sunset asking if we're going to talk about McDonough. Yeah. That's coming up later in the show. Uh, Jalen Blair saying, I think BJ Ujolari is going to surprise. I think he's better than his brother and his brother had 10 sacks his rookie season. His brother also yeah. was coming off a, an injury uh, from the his his final college season, wasn't he? Or he's actually coming off an injury during the pre-draft process. He slipped a little bit. Um, not sure if you all have talked about this. This is from uh, Child. Was it Chili Dog Time? Uh, yeah. But who do you see at left guard, left tackle, center, right t- tackle, right guard? In that order, we are going to start unveiling what we believe is kind of our predictions for this depth chart as this yeah. roster is hovering around 90, as they start to kind of tweak this roster, they made a move today in, in getting a, a, a punter, um, more of a veteran punter post Andy Lee. Uh, Rafa is given his prediction. He's got Paris DJ Yelda Frodehold at center, Calvin Beecham, and then Will Hernandez at right guards. Not, it's not a bad prediction. It's probably no. going to be in line with something that we'll have in the next couple of days. So, uh, it's really going to be as far as like the Paris Johnson, when we talked to him on Friday, he basically said he's preparing for four positions on the offensive line. And then once, once they tell him, you know, where he's going to start and compete for right away, he he'll dive into that. Right. But right now he's preparing for every position, but center. So Jonathan Gannon obviously sees a lot of value in position versatility. I think that that's, they'll change their perception of that as far as how they'll approach Paris Johnson. Like once he gets even more like ingrained in the NFL uh, and and they'll start to say, okay, you're going to be a tackle from here on forward. And your guard days will probably be in the rear view mirror by hopefully the end of his rookie season, you would think, right? Because as far as the future for DJ Humphreys, you don't envision one beyond 2022. So it's those variables come into play when you start to talk about who's going to make the biggest impact of this rookie class in 2023. Now, like, so we got Paris Johnson Jr. Our thoughts on that. BJ Ujolari, high, high expectations for this kid right out of the yeah. gates at LSU. Garrett Williams with the with the ACL coming into the league. We'll see where he is come training camp preseason and the start of the season. Michael Wilson, he's ready to go, but that's kind of a stacked wide receiver room as it stands right now. DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch. That's a tough rotation to crack, even though he's got the side. Zach Pascal, they just added this offseason. And then you've got what? John Gaines, you know, they said that he's a versatile player. They like the position versatility. So can he be a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line? Sure. But that impact's going to be minimal compared to what B.J. Ojolari is going to get. Clayton Toon, we'll see where he is as far as how he cracks this quarterback room. We know he's a confident kid. And then what? Keytrell Clark, I mentioned him, could play some slot. And then uh, you got Dante Stills out of West Virginia, kind of Mm -hmm. an undersized guy, but he was a TFL monster for the Mountaineers. We'll see what they have in plan for him. Now, there used to be a saying, what would constitute a good draft for an NFL team? And we had to put a big asterisk on every time the Cardinals drafted because we had very low expectations with one Steve Kine that will not be mentioned again on this show. But if you can find in a singular draft a all-pro, Pro Bowl caliber player, and then three starters, two to three starters, and then some roster fillers, that's what would constitute as a good draft. And you string a couple of those together in combination with some free agent signings, assuming you have the quarterback, you're in contention. You're a contending team. Now, where you elevate yourself 
into a championship team is you have a draft like the Cardinals did in 2004. Fitzgerald, right? Donald Dockett, Carl- Carlos Dansby. Three, all, you know, I know Dansby never made a Pro Bowl, which is a crime, but yeah. Hall of Fame talent, a Ring of Honor player, and I think Dansby is the most underrated Cardinal the last 20, 25 years. That's what got them to the Super Bowl in combination with Kurt Warner. So I, I think that we're talking about we think Paris Johnson Jr. and B.J. Ojolari are going to be really good players. If those two players by themselves define this draft class and become borderline consistent Pro Bowlers, nothing yeah. else will matter. Now, sure. we want the rest of the roster to fill out and guys to get second contracts, but if Paris Johnson Jr. is the left tackle for this team for 10 years and B.J. Ojolari is a 10-12 to 12 sack guy, you've checked a huge box if you're if you're Monty Austin Ford. And, and that's what we're hopeful to see. Um, I, but yeah. go ahead. I, I, I will say that you need to get some production out of that third round. I think that the fans need to see that because you have six picks within yeah, that's the first fair. three rounds. That's fair. And they want to know that Monty has that eye, you know, late day two going into day three. I, I think it's important that day three, you, you at least get somebody that's a contributor from day three. It's to, to just show some confidence to this fan base from the new decision maker. It's tough though for yeah. this year. I don't disagree with that synopsis in general day three pick or day two picks third round are incredibly valuable but like look at their day the end of day two it's like well will will garrett ever develop into an every down corner that you hope to extend that's that's the hope right now but you don't know and you don't know how he's going to bounce back from injury and then michael wilson is in a bloated receiving courtroom and he never did it at the collegiate level i think that's why i'm so like hit or miss on those third round picks because neither of them have the opportunity like a honey badger did mm-hmm. Aaron's first year in 2013 it was just like immediate starter, get him on the yeah. field. David Johnson forced his way on the field, right? John Brown forced his way on the field. Like these are true developmental picks. Now they have a college experience, but we're going to have to wait on them. Right. And we don't like waiting. We waited enough under Vance Joseph and Cliff Kingsbury, but the first two guys. And then I think yeah. more so, two to three guys on day three and John Gaines and the kid from Auburn, like those are going to be immediate. Con- you would assume contributors in special teams, if not, you know, on the, on their starting units. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Oh, Papo. I love Papo. Papo. That's right. The kid from Auburn, just very this, put, well put together. The at, at the freak on Twitter. You got to yeah. love it. Sub four, four linebacker, but Hey, I've been excited about a sub four, four linebacker before. And uh, I'm still waiting for for big results. Uh, Jose saying, no Swiss Army knife, play your position the whole year. Look, you know, coming off of the previous regime, coaching staff, and how they tried to maximize versatility, and you had a bunch of not, you know, jack of all trades and masters of none. I agree, but, you know, listening to the comments from Nick Rollis and Jonathan Gannon, they are pro versatility. Like Gannon said that, you know, 70-30, trying to figure out the the mix or percentage of how they're going to practice these guys and figure out where everybody's going to fit in. It's like, I I, I don't know, I kind of wish that those days were over, but if, if it's a coaching staff that has a, a knows how to harness it and knows how to really maximize versatility, I'm fine with it because the previous coaching staff didn't. And, no. and they didn't have a plan. They had guys drinking from what, you know, fire hoses and they just were lost out there. If the, if the coaching staff can on a down to down basis, get guys focused on where they need to be at any given point, that's going to make a di- big difference. But, you know, I, I understand the hesitation there coming off the previous coaching staff, no doubt about it. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with Bo. I think it's going to be less time Vance Joseph-esque where it's just like, we're just going to put you all over the place because that's what your draft report said you could do. And instead, right. like, hey, this is what you do well. So we're going to do this well for you and our defense. We're going to tailor our defense around you. And Gannon has been known to do that tenfold. I mean, look at all the undrafted players, late-round picks that he elevated in Philadelphia. It's it's almost kind of like the Vance Joseph in reverse, where Vance was very strict, and he ran his defense a very specific way. But then they took Isaiah, and they're like, okay, Isaiah, we're not going to mold our defense around you. You just have to come in and be able to play this position and this position and this yeah. position, and that overwhelmed him. And and it's a large reason why a lot of people think Isaiah Simmons is going to be unlocked under Jonathan Gannon. I would I would love to see that. Uh, Nightingale Sunset has Gannon said who's going to call plays on defense. I'm not sure if Nick Rallis is calling plays yet or not, Bo. He, he did say that uh, when they introduced Rallis back okay. back way back when a long you know in a long off season that feels like forever ago. But kind of <laughs> joked around, kind of was irky jerky. He's like, no, he's going to call the plays. So it's gonna it's gonna be Nick Rallis, twenty nine year old defensive coordinator. But I, look, I I don't doubt that Jonathan Gannon's gonna have his hands all over this defense as far as the game planning goes, and I'm sure throughout the game, I'm sure he's gonna help out his young coordinator. But he's also gonna be involved in, in what they're doing offensively and you know special teams. He's he's gonna be mixing it up all over the place. One last point I wanted to get to because you mentioned Honey Badger. Like they took and, and Honey Badger was a third round pick, right? And he, he was fell yeah. to the third round because of the off the field issues. Correct. Because what Stephen A would say, he can't stay off the weed, right? Mm-hmm. He can't stay off the weed. But right. it's a different day and age. And then you, I think Monty, instead of taking getting up, you know, players kind of falling into his lap because of off the field issues, it was because guys who had injury issues, right? Garrett Williams had the ACL, probably would, could have been a second round pick. If he didn't tear his ACL, right? What you don't, you're, I don't love that approach, right? Because, but he he's, I, he's got kind of a if one of the two hit between Garrett Williams and, and Michael okay. Wilson. Okay, Trent Balky, that's what got him fired in San Francisco. They Marcus Lattimore, they tried that with him. I, I'm not saying I dislike it. Yeah. Um, I I think that he has bought himself collateral because of all the extra picks he has. Where the Cardinals would get in trouble is let's trade up for a player, only have one pick on day two and use it on a hurt player. And I I want to believe, as Nadro J in the chat says, what would you do if Michael Wilson turns out to be Michael Thomas 2.0 or DeAndre Hopkins' replacement? I do think to justify that pick, Bo, top 100 pick in a class with really good depth, not maybe not a ton of top-end talent, but really good depth on day two. As we saw, it's like he's got to come in and at least be, I would say, like a starter, like you want him to be a starter as a top 100 player, like a one of the starting three receivers in yeah. a year or so. And I think I'm not going to project anybody anytime, anywhere that's that's a, a day two pick to come in and, and be the next D-Hop or Michael Thomas. My, my question for that young man is, if you couldn't stay healthy in the Pac-12, I know you dominated the Senior Bowl. How many times have we said that? And the guy just kind of is a middling NFL player. I want him to be the exception, but he would have to be not. He's, he's not the rule. He's the exception. Yeah. If he does that, Michael Thomas said, I think I was just looking up his college stats and, and they, they're double what Michael Wilson did in at Stanford. I mean, right. Michael Wilson just didn't have the opportunity because of back-to-back seasons that were uh, ruined by injury. 
most yeah. recently had the collarbone break against Notre Dame. So th- that that's that's tough. I mean, it just the the production would have to he would have to have more production at the NFL level than he did at the at the collegiate level. But look, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's just that would be strange. Yes. But as far as what you see from the senior bowl, what you see him out there just running routes at, at rookie minicamp, he looked really good. And with the idea that it was a break, it was a collarbone break. And then I think his other injury was also a break. It wasn't a tear of a ligament of anything. Uh, that's actually, you know, something you can, you can look at and say, okay, there's potential here, but he still has to show like, he, he was playing with Tanner McKee at quarterback. He wasn't catching passes from Kyler Murray. Like he's got to be able to show that when he's playing with elite talent, that he's got to be able to be on par with that. Well, he's got to play special teams too. Yeah. Like if are you going to be able to tackle, not get hurt young man? I hope not. Plus he's already 23. That was the head scratcher on day two for a roster that needs players. Now is you took a player that is in a loaded receiving core, the Garrett, Williams thing I think is easier to to grasp because of, of the caliber of player he was before he got hurt and that was his one singular injury so he's a uh, ball hawk man I'm, I can't wait to see you know his story I don't know if, if if you're if you didn't catch our you know after we talked to Garrett Williams on Thursday we met with the media for the first time um, and he's still unsigned I think PJ Ojolari and Garrett Williams are the only two rookie uh, the class currently that aren't signed yet yeah. Not sure what the holdup is on that. Maybe Williams, they just feel like they have more time. Uh, but Williams was like, he, he mentioned he was a quarterback. He wore number eight because he idolized Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. right? And But he stopped playing quarterback because in 7-7 seven, seven tournament, they were down so many corners. His coach was like, hey, can you play corner for us? And he's like, sure. And he grabbed six interceptions over the weekend. And he was like, okay you're a cornerback now. He just has the 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 instinct, right? He has that sixth sense and knows for the football. Like once he gets on the f- playing field and like these ACL surgeries and rehabs are more and more routine, like I think the Cardinals shouldn't worry too much about Garrett Williams. 100%. Uh, Nightingale Sunset, we'll end this conversation on this. Dorch is the new fan, darling. Need him on a shirt with Devin Booker. I would buy that in a, in a second, <laughs> in a New York minute. And I do think Nightingale Sunset, we'll do big predictions for this year. Uh, over the course of the summer, Greg Dorch, book it. This 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 team knew exactly what they were doing when they tendered his option. They brought him back. Feed that young man the football. Feed me all the bets I can get, by the way, with our friends at BetMGM Sportsbook. Um, so I, I can no longer bet objectively because um, the Phoenix Suns are, I, I should say subjectively, because the Phoenix Suns are, are out of the uh, NBA uh, playoffs. And, and so now I can just be cut and dry. And I do think the uh, LA Lakers are, are going to win game one against the Denver Nuggets. I think they're better. I think the Nuggets were poised to be beat Bo Brock and they just didn't have the depth. Old, old, old Denver didn't have the depth. So I'm going to go my pick of the week here with our friends at BetMGM. I'm going to dabble with the Lakers money line in game one. You get plus money right now at BetMGM. And guess what? Every Saturday and Wednesday, claim your bonus bet on the house. Love bonus bets. It's like every morning's Christmas morning on Saturday and Wednesday, go in and get a free boost Thanks to our friends at BetMGM, your fans uh, of the app, dabbling on it, are automatically going to receive a bonus bet upon logging into your account, but it does expire. So you only have, I think, 72 hours, so you don't want to wait, and bonus bets can be used on any sport wager, whatever you want to do. Um, a- again, pour one out for our watch parties for the Phoenix Suns presented by Neutral, but they were a blast. We're hoping to have more, but I'm going to tell you right now what we do have, our Knockout Nights Cornhole League 
first Friday of every month, May through August, specials, giveaways, BetMGM prizes, whatever you want to do, do it with our friends at BetMGM. If you haven't signed up yet, use that bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our friends and family here in Arizona, the Arizona audience, you're going to get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use that bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for more details. And now our guy Shane Diefenbach talk about it in the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. Two best words in sports, Game 7. we got a Game 7 tonight, right? The Kraken. The Kraken taking on the Dallas Stars. Why not head over to Four Peaks? Go watch two random teams that you probably didn't know you cared about. Go watch them throw down on the ice for a big game in the Western Conference NHL playoffs. Go to Four Peaks just to have a, a beer. Go have a couple beers. Go have an appetizer, some entrees, and some dessert. Can't go wrong with our friends at Four Peaks and do yourself a do yourself a service. Get yourself following them on social media, whether you're following them on Twitter at Four Peaks Brew or on Instagram at Four Peaks Pub. You'll get all the latest on Arizona's premier craft brewery, whether it's events going on or like they had their teacher appreciation going last week. You wanted to contribute to that, help out, or just find out more details. You got to be following along at Four Peaks Brew and at Four Peaks Pub on Instagram. You can't go wrong there. They've got the D-backs, four peaks, four seats. One lucky winner gets four seats to an upcoming Diamondbacks game. They get the D-Bucks, so you can grab some food. You can go to the Four Peaks uh, tap room up there at Chase Field. Why not enter by going to at Four Peaks Brew on Instagram? They've got a link in the bio there. Or just go to Four Peaks, catch a game, go catch the rest of the playoffs. As, as Johnny said, pour some out. Just do it, you know, and it, don't do it on the floor there, Four Peaks. It's a beautiful area. We don't want to mess it up. But uh, delicious beer. You can't go wrong with a Kilt Lifter or a Kilt Lifter bourbon age uh, drink. It's so smooth. Check everything out there. Four Peaks. Got to be 21 years or older. Got to drink it responsibly as well. Yeah, pour one out for our precious Phoenix Suns. Uh, pour one out for maybe Andy Lee's time with the <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. We assumed that was going to happen, but today right. I think we got some confirmation. So Cardinals had already brought in uh, Nolan Cooney, who's a punter. He's 26 years old. But I think they made their real first kind of significant move today in lieu of a couple different moves. So they released kicker Elliot Fry, Manny Jones, Blake Lynch, all gone. But they signed former ASU punter Matt Hack. Uh, he Hack, excuse me. He averaged 45 yards per punt during his NFL career. He's had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but he started, I believe, all 17 games last year with the Indianapolis Colts. So again, younger, more athletic. But Andy Lee, for you know all of his faults, because he's an aging guy last year, over 40 years old, still averaged more yards per punt at 47. You buying this move, Bo? You think it's decent? What do you think <laughs> of the, the punter landscape here as we talk punters oh, on man. Uh, early May? Well, I mean, like, the one thing you could say about Andy Lee is he was consistent, right? He was. It was, it was there was... Who who was the punter that was so bad for so long for this hmm. for this team? Is I'll have to look him up. The guy that that he was he was the son of a former NFL kicker, and he was so bad. And they brought him back so many times. 
that was like the Amos Jones BA um, special teams that were so bad. Uh, and then they brought in Andy Lee and he kind of held down the position and, and, and punt it pretty well. Um, and now like as, as you have a regime change, you, you don't need to f- bring back a 41 year old punter, even though you brought back your kind of older kicker and Matt Prater. Uh, but Hawk's a guy that, you know, I know he fizzled out in a couple spots, but you know, he given the right circumstances, he's going to have a lot of opportunity potentially punting for the Arizona Cardinals this season. So, uh, get some, get somebody that that's been there before has, has a little, has some games under his belt, not having somebody too young back there. Um, yeah, I, I have no, like I'm pretty indifferent, but, and, and he hasn't given me any reason to say no, but, uh, you know, a local guy, second Sun Devil on the roster next to Kyle Soli. So, uh, that, that's, that's good. It's good. good that, news that's, the Cardinals. Yeah. Right. The punter you're thinking of, I had to look him up, Drew Butler. And then yeah. Craig affirms that in the chat was with the Cardinals and Bruce Arians, 2014 to 2016, lost them. I would say like a handful of games in that time. He's so bad. Um, he won the Ray Guy Award, I think, while at Georgia. Um, just not a good, not a good punter. Averaged under forty-three yards per punt. They just kept bringing him back, and then they finally got serious. It's sad they got serious about punter and pass rusher at the wrong time. They bring in Chandler Jones and Andy Lee in two separate off seasons next to each other, and they fortify those units forever. But then the, everything else kind of goes to hell for the Arizona Cardinals after that. They can punt, they can rush the passer. But Carson Palmer can't stay healthy. The defense gets old. The secondary, the offensive line. So never could quite get it to sync up. But Cardinals are going to be putting a lot. What do you think about, you know, the landscape of that? But now we can Everybody wanted our- the punt god, though. Everybody wanted the, the Cardinals to go yeah. out there. The guy that beat out Hawk uh, with the Bills, but before uh, the whole off-the-field issues went down with, what was it, Matt Areza from San Diego State? Yeah. He's available, but it's like... You know, he's going to have to, he's going to be able to choose where he can go now. Yeah. You know, he, I, I know there's going to be opportunity as I kind of joked, you know, for, for punting here in the desert this upcoming season, potentially. But I, I would think that he probably would want to go to a team that's closer to contending right now. Than I, I don't know. I think he, he's going to want to go to whomever can pay him the most. Cause he's how much money has he lost over the what, last 18 months. Yeah. This has been going on. The Cardinals could, could have signed him had they wanted to, they could have given him a bloated deal. Um, I just, I don't, I think that what happened to him, assuming it's true, is terrible. And hopefully he gets his redemption moment. I just think the Cardinals probably don't want to be in the news cycle for that reason. Because um, you're still going to get people that are pushing back. I, I don't know enough about the situation to comment on it. Other than sounds like he was exonerated from all accounts. There was no legal uh, trouble that he got into. It was just all court of public opinion, which is what makes social media so dangerous these days. But I just for the, where the Cardinals are at, um, they I I think they feel like they can spare a couple yards per punt instead of staying in the headlines. But I, I would if I was him, he doesn't need my counsel. I would I would try to make that money back asap and go to whoever's sure. going to pay me the most. Yeah, and look, I mean it, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and pound the table for the punting position. I, if no. they find somebody they feel like can fill the role uh, and, and be the successor, a decent successor to Andy Lee. Uh, who's who I mentioned was so consistent for this team. He's one of the better passers for the Cardinals yeah, <laughs> down the was. stretch. You know, he had some big time plays in special teams. I'm sure that, you know, Jeff Rogers had a big hand in w- of this move. 
So yeah. they, they bring, in, bring in a guy. It's, it's relatively young. He's 26. They, they've got another uh, punter on the roster, I think, is 24. So yeah. a little bit of a, infusing some youth into that position, which is fine. And if one of them pan out, uh, you, you've got somebody that you can rely upon going forward. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we're going to talk about Terry McDonough here in a second. But first, I want to remind everybody. So um, went over to Circle K. Uh, what was that? Yesterday. And I, I can't. I, I can't uh, downplay it too much is I needed orange juice for mimosas on mother's day. And I thought I had enough orange juice and it looks like my kids who aren't supposed to be drinking and that's for mommy and daddy's mimosas had <laughs> drinking the orange juice. So I, I get up and it's seven Oh five. My wife sleeps in, we're setting all the stuff up for mother's day and I get the Prosecco out from, from another place. And I, I'm like, where's the orange juice? And ne- neither kid wanted to own up to it. So you know what I did? I got my car and I drove two minutes to Circle K. They were open, super friendly, and they had multiple things of orange juice for me to dabble on. And and again, we talk about Circle K and all the great stuff. People know Polar Pops, slushies, low price beverages, beer, whatever you want to do, a ton of candy and snacks. But like when I need Circle K, they are there for me, especially on Mother's Day. My wife had no idea unless she's going to watch the show right now. We were out. I wasn't prepared, but I'm always prepared with our friends at Circle K. Make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff they've got going on right now. All you got to do, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club. Get a buy one, get one free on 32-ounce Polar Pops. Hello, I love Double Fistin' with the unsweetened tea. Gets me through my day. Circle K can do that for you. Just head to a Circle K nearest to you. Find that store locator, because uh, I know it can be tricky. Go to circlek.com slash store dash locator. That's Circle K dot com slash store dash locator to find the nearest circle k to you so you can have your orange juice on mother's day i could be put outside blindfolded spun around and then somehow walk in any direction and run into a circle k i feel like here in the valley there's a circle k it feels like must be nice must very convenient very convenient if you live on the grid you live off the grid i do Uh, but one thing that you have that I don't have is is a pool. You are uh, you, I do you have are upper pool. elite. You have a pool, and uh, it's pool season, right? It was it, it was triple digits this yesterday. It was one oh five. You probably went out there, probably had a nice glaze going on, and I, I did. hope sure when you did. popped off the shirt, it didn't look like you still had a shirt on because that would be rough. That would be a rough Mother's Ooh. Day, even for our guy Johnny <laughs> Venerable, because he he knows about manscaping. He knows that on Mother's Day. He better be cleaned up for the mother yeah. of his children. That's why you're using today's grooming tools, the elite grooming tools of our friends over at Manscaped. You're not Austin Powers out there saying, yeah, baby, with your chest hair all just un, un, f- f- just out of control. My beard's yeah. out of control. I was looking up some grooming kits for my beard. Oh, it looks great. I didn't have to look any further than Manscaped. You know, they got the lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof. It's cordless body trimmer. It's got the advanced skin-safe technology, so no nicks. No nicks. Uh, you got the Weed Whacker 2.0. Nobody likes nose hairs, and plucking nose hairs is the absolute worst activity on this planet. And then you got the Crop Preserver with Crop Reviver. Ball deodorant and ball toner for anti-chafing, and you got two free gifts. How about the Shed Travel Bag? It's $39 value. And patented Manscaped Boxers. It's unbelievable what, they, what they've got going on right now. You can save 20% off free shipping with the code PHNX. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off Free shipping with the code PHNX and manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles, our friends over at Manscaped. 
Uh, and we go from that read to a different kind of story as it relates <laughs> to levity to not so much, uh, at, at least if you're Terry McDonough. So I don't how much you want to get into this. So Terry McDonough and the Cardinals have been I like clashing heads. The story because I think that's all this does. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I can read too much into the, the latest from uh, who was it? Tish ESPN. Yeah. ESPN reporter put out an article today. Tisha Thompson. Yeah, she does great work. Uh, basically said that Tara McDonough is upset of how the Cardinals have treated him after his initial complaints and that a lot of the information that the Cardinals put out, of course, if you're Terry, is incorrect and it's basically a, sh- a smear campaign. So we're going back and forth at each other. Um, you texted me before the show, Bo, like defamation cases are difficult to win and that's what he's filed. Um I, if I'm Terry McDonough, like I, I don't know how much that he can come out of this looking great, regardless right. of the outcome. Like I, I think there's a reality, albeit slim, maybe like 10, 15%. Maybe he could take down Michael Bidwell. But I feel like in that circumstance, like he's going down too. So like the longer he digs his heels in, like it's gonna be difficult for him to come out of this, like, hey, I took down the Bidwells and now I've regained my career. I hope for his sake that happens to him. But it just the longer this stays in the news cycle, like the the NFL is doing an investigation. Right. We know that now. Like that's happening. And that's because of Terry McDonough. So I mean, the Cardinals put out through a third party PR company a schmear campaign for Terry McDonough. Like, I didn't love that look. It's just it, the the team just another day and they can't stay out of the news. And this is gonna go back and forth until it's eventually resolved or not by the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think Probably his best case is if they come to some sort of financial agreement. Sure, that, right? that as well. Um, I mean, the Cardinals' week one opponent is just the main reason why this doesn't really – it's probably won't bode well for a guy like McDonough, right? And yeah. I know that that's, that's just me speculating, and, and I don't have much, uh, much of a leg to stand on. But just watching how things have transpired over the last you know, two decades – last decade primarily with the Washington franchise, right? And yeah. the, the heavy allegations that have been levied against Daniel Snyder, how things were run in that organization, and mm-hmm. to see that he is on the precipice of walking away from the NFL really unscathed and $6 billion richer. Yeah. It, like, you really, like the idea to think I'm going to take down an NFL owner is mm-hmm. a bit naive in my opinion, uh, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll absolutely see. Uh, the, the NFL is not just kind of turning their nose up at this, and and you know they they are continuing this investigation to an extent. And you know, did the Cardinals come in a little too hard uh, against McDonough? Is, is it going to prove to cost them a little bit in the end? We'll see. Uh, but it is in the public arena. It's it's already ugly, and I don't anticipate it not get like things either party backing off. So we'll see what happens with this. You know, I know that they expected the the, the last, uh, I guess, moving of the change of the story. They yeah. they kind of the NFL had appointed somebody to do the investigation into it, so it's not going away. Yeah. Uh, we'll, they they, you know, they they poked. It's it's two bears poking each other right now. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure it's the last thing Cardinal fans want to see until they uh, continue to log on to the internet. And there is another piece that came out today as it relates to the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals in part, and it's from our uh, Tyler Dune, who has a long 
uh, article series, web series online. And you've probably wondering, well, what's this have to do with anything? So um, Kevin Cobb was a quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. He was acquired, I believe, in 2011. Um, and the Cardinals brought him in, second round pick, plus Dominic Rogers-Cromarty. They get him from Philadelphia. It was the end of, uh, I think, the big um, holdout with the CBA. Just a quick story on this, by the way. This is how early Twitter was at this time. I think I've told Bo this story before. So Kevin Cobb was rumored to go to the Arizona Cardinals earlier that spring. Then there was a lockout, mm -hmm. right? This is how early Twitter was. At that point, you could DM Adam Schefter, and I DM'd Adam Schefter probably. The lockout ended in like July, August. I DM'd Adam Schefter. I wish I still had it in June. Uh -huh. And I said, do you still think the Cardinals are going to trade for Kevin Cobb? And he said, I do. And and then they traded for Kevin Cobb, and I'll never forget that. I'm like, can you imagine being able to DM Adam Schefter? But that was like the early days of Twitter, <laughs> and it was wild. So anyway, Cardinals trade for Kevin Cobb. <laughs> And he immediately fresh-faced Johnny Venerable. Just hey Adam, hey Adam, <laughs> what's going on with Kevin Cobb and Kim Wisenhunt? Can they coexist? Um, so Tyler writes this banger of an article again, part one. What happened to Kevin Cobb? Because it yeah. is crazy. He was with the Cardinals, and then I think he went to Buffalo and just kind of fell off the face of the earth. But the article's crazy for a couple different reasons, Bo, especially as it relates to the Cardinals and how they handled or not handled. Kevin Cobb's injuries. Well, I mean, also, yeah, I mean, one, it, it seems like an indictment on the, on the training staff or the medical staff, because Kevin yeah. Cobb basically said he played with the concussion fearful yeah. that if, if he'd mentioned anything, uh, you know, I think at first he couldn't pull it. He didn't feel comfortable pulling himself from a game. And then mm -hmm. when it was further down the road, he was like, well, I can't just tell him now. Like they'll be right. like, what the hell has been going on? Uh, yeah, it's, he just got his ass kicked. It feels like his entire NFL career, just yeah. concussion after concussion, uh, from in this dates back to his Philly days. Um, one of the more interesting things that, that stood out to me was when he was facing, I think the, the Cardinals and Cobb was starting a quarterback. Uh, they're facing the Baltimore Ravens and mm -hmm. he injured his foot and, uh, Basically, Ken Wisenhunt said that you got to get back in there and play through the pain. And when he ended up taking his shoe off after the game, the training staff was like looking at it in horror. It was so black and blue. And yeah. they, they were afraid that his career would be ruined because of the oh, damage yeah. that he sustained to his foot. Uh, and he ended up having, I think this was in the very beginning of, of me covering the team. Uh, Cause I remember being in a scrum late in the season that year and he had the mm -hmm. rib injury or it was disclosed yeah. the rib injury. Uh, and he, he was saying, no, he hadn't been cleared. And because it was strange because you thought, Hey, he should probably be close. But in this story, it says he broke his sternum. Yeah. <laughs> straight up broken sternum. So there was no chance he was coming back that season. That was when I think they started like four and oh, and then dropped. They did. Yeah. So another fun story. It, they're 4-0. My dad and I live in Illinois. They're playing the Rams. So I'd always try to get tickets when the Cardinals played the Rams at the Edward Jones Dome because you could get them super cheap because the Rams were terrible. And so we're like, heck yeah, bandwagon. They're going to the playoffs. They're 4-0. So we buy tickets, and we would always buy tickets on the visitor sideline, like three to five rows up. They'd bring back a bunch of players from the St. Louis days. They'd be on the sideline, like Jim Hart and company. A bunch of players would be down there signing autographs. And Cobb starts that game. Do you know how many times they lose that game? 17 to three, by the way. I think it was nationally televised on Thursday Night Football. 
Yeah. Do you know how many times Kevin Cobb was sacked that night? Oof. Take a guess. Was it seven? Nine times. <laughs> Kevin Cobb got sacked nine times. I'll never forget watching <laughs> Russ Grimm like not give one eye out of coaching the offensive line. Right. Just do it over on the sideline with his <laughs> hands. Remember Russ Grimm would get like, people would say he should be a head coach somewhere. And he's you're like, like Hell? yeah, he's, he's literally he worst was, units in the league was the worst position coach. Maybe of the last 20 years for this team. And that's saying something wasn't that it was just his buddy got Kevin Cobb's brains beat in nine times at the Edward Jones. Don't I think the Cardinals won one game the rest of the year. That's what yeah. got Wiz and Hunt and company fired. So so this, uh, this I opened the story. Yeah. I wanted to give more because I kind of butchered it. Okay. But, uh, no, in the first half of this game, Kevin Cobb ripped every ligament in his toe. X-ray images showed nothing was broken, but yeah. it was bad. So he couldn't push off his foot. He could barely even execute a handoff to running backs. And in his opinion, backup John Skelton would have been a better option for the team in the second half. But while the team doctor advised him to sit out, Cobb says that coach Ken Wisenhunt instructed him to play. Wiz oh saw Cobb light it up and knew this was a must win game. And Cobb did not protest, taped his foot up and Arizona lost 30 to 27. I believe that they, they were up big in this game. Uh, so he comes back, he plays with it and he says, I'll never forget the look of terror on the faces of the team's training staff. When they removed this cleat afterwards, the swelling, the bruising 60% of his foot was black and blue. Mm. Uh, he said Cobb could have been confused for an extra in a nineties slasher film. Oh my God. They were scared to death. Cobb says they thought they ruined my career and ruined my foot. I'm glad he can walk now. I'm glad he can walk and he can, process information with his brain because the concussion thing is doubly scary. Uh, poor Kevin. I hope Kevin's doing all right. Cardinals. It was, it was pretty not- crazy. I mean, if you remember that era of Cardinals football, I mean, they were just removed from Kurt Warner. And, right. and the, the the thought was if they could just get good quarterback play again, um, that that was going to help this team. And, and I think it went Warner and they didn't have – uh, much of a fallback or contingency plan when when Warner hang him up, hung him up. Uh, after the yeah, they walk, signed right? Drew, they signed what's his name Anderson. Drew, yeah, yeah. I take this shit seriously. To Ken yeah. Summers in the post game presser. Oh, so good. It's an all timer. <laughs> and then Andy Reid sends the Arizona Cardinals some damage. Hey, goods. Kenny, yeah. you want you want you want this quarterback? He's really good. We got McNabb. We don't need him. And an ex- huge lucrative extension. And then it was just a disaster. I was all in too, though. I Han shot first, man. I was on that Kevin Cobb train big time. Yeah. A lot of us were because we watched Anderson be terrible, and they and they needed a young. I take this shit seriously. Oh god, so bad, so bad. But then Bruce Arians saved the team in 2013 with Carson Palmer. Well, that, that Kevin Cobb story is not great. Neither is the Terry McDonough one. But you know what is great is the furniture that Bo is happening to use right now in right. with with more furniture it's beautiful uh it was uh un- it was nice little sunday i mentioned your yeah. weekend hanging out poolside we're hanging out in the ac we had the more furniture obviously in our living room hanging out oh, my wife was opening up presents uh and it, it was just it was legit i mean you can't go wrong with anything at more furniture you're looking for something for your living room your dining room your kids room your bedroom We'll find some some of the best furniture in the valley, the best furniture in the valley, and save and get great prices on it. Go to morefurniture.com. Get that white glove delivery as well. As the temperatures are up there in triple digits, you don't want to have to be moving a couch around. You don't want to have to borrow 
uh, your friend's truck that they have and, and go load it up with furniture and then put it in your in your house and probably have no. to move it around thousands of times because your wife can't decide where it goes. That's personal experience. Get the white glove delivery. <laughs> it's not that much. It's going to set you up. They're going to deliver it to your house. They're going to get rid of all the packing materials. They're going to set it up and they're going to put it exactly where you want. You're not going to have to lift a finger at all. You got to get yourself uh, in at morefurniture.com. Save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com. Get some furniture and then read the fabulous workings of all of our writers and talented peeps at gophnx.com, including my guy Gerald Bourget, who wrote a phenomenal piece on the exiting Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns and where the Suns go now. I believe that article is free right now at gophnx.com. Become a diehard. Pick up a T-shirt and or hat for free every single year. You have your diehard membership. And, of course, our guy Howard Balzer, the PHNX Cardinals beat reporter, Use that promo code Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, Nandro J. K-1 is the best Cardinals uh, QB we have drafted ever. Nadraj, I'm sorry. Nadraj, K-1 is the best Cardinals drafted QB we have ever had. I'm going to agree with you, and I think that that's why it's it's frustrating yet predictable. A lot of people are ready to kick Kyler Murray to the side, and then you go through these quite literally horror stories for backups and backups of backups, and it's just like, hey, remember what it was like when we were one of these franchises, these teams? that trotted out an average to below average quarterback. And Kyler has his shortcomings, no pun intended. And he's got some areas where he wants to be better. And I think he will be better, but I mean, good goodness gracious. Anytime you're talking about a quarterback in the MVP conversation and it's a Cardinal quarterback, I'm not sure we should all be anxious and ready to kick that quarterback to the curb, Bo Brock. I, I mean, I, I had blacked out the Derek Anderson days of this yeah. organization, but there's so many quarterback. I mean, Skelton was mentioned in that article, uh, you know, Max Hall, uh, Matt Leinert, Josh Rosen, Sam Bradford, Mike Glennon. I mean, there's been so many poor performances at the quarterback position. It, make, it makes you scratch your head when you look at Larry Fitzgerald's career numbers. And he had so many ham sandwiches for QBs throughout the years. I mean, yeah, mixed in there was Kurt Warner having a career resurgence and Carson Palmer also having a career resurgence. And then, you know, the early career of, of, of Kyler Murray. But I mean, it's unbelievable what this fan base has endured as far as the quarterback position and, and what this, this, this organization has tried to pawn off as, as uh, you know, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Yep. Uh, and that's why we're all anxious to see K1 come back healthier and better than ever. When's that going to be? TBD. But you know when our next show is tomorrow. Check us out at gophnx.com, phnx underscore Cardinals. Again, like yeah. and subscribe. Leave us a five-star and Bo, like this video. Yeah, no doubt about it. People were already asking, you know, how we saw the offensive line depth chart stack up. I think we're going to start to look at some position groups and who we think has the edge early on to, for some starting positions, start to make our own depth chart predictions. I know it's May, but let's have some fun with it. Obviously love to see yours as well. DM Johnny, myself, we'll get them on the show, but also you can do it here in the chat live at 4 PM as always every day here at PHNX sports, PHNX Cardinals for Johnny venerable Sean on the ones and twos behind the scenes. I'm Bo Brock. We'll talk to you guys soon.